Hey, welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today we have Andy Clark. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Why don't we start off the podcast explaining uh, who you are, what you do, and how you got there? So I'm Andy Clark. I am a burnout expert. So I dive into more of the physical side of burnout, um, when you're struggling with sleep, when you're waking up without energy, when your brain is all foggy and you're struggling to be productive, when you're reading contracts, reading things, and you have to read them over and over again because you're just not as sharp as you used to be. Maybe less motivation in the gym or not even able to be physically active anymore. Moods might be off. I work on all the physical sides of all of that when it comes to burnout. And I started that based on my own burnout journey of struggling through this as my past is as a personal trainer, nutrition coach to executive CEOs in the downtown core in Toronto where I live. And I struggled with burnout and all of the exercise and nutrition that I had been taught didn't get me out, that I learned that there are a lot more steps with the gut, with the hormones, with the nervous system that needed to be done in order to prevent people from getting in, but also keep them out of burnout. And once I did get myself out, which... My son was born in burnout because I was in burnout when he was uh, when when I was pregnant with him. And once I was able to solve our burnout, then my husband is a police officer. And I started realizing how much his colleagues were struggling from the push of the job that I started helping colleagues of his and. And that just snowballed to where in 2018, I started working with first responders all over North America, UK, Australia. And since COVID, which was hard on them, I also had past corporate clients and entrepreneurial friends, colleagues, other parents as well, asking me for help with burnout as well, that I have now expanded to work with anybody that really does want to get out of burnout. That is actually very interesting. And what caught my attention is that I too had felt that experience. Um, I just learned you're from Toronto, which is where I'm from. I'm actually in Burlington, but pretty oh. close to it. Wow. So, yeah, wow. yeah. So it's, a, you know, pretty interesting there. Um, but yeah, like uh, I got a short story if you want to hear it uh, about my burnout. Is um, It was when I got into real estate. I got my license in the first 18 months. I was like, go, 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 go. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to show everything to everybody. And, uh, you know, people would say, oh, I just want to see these couple of homes. And, ah, you got five or six you want to see? Go, yeah, let's go see all of them, which was the polar opposite of what the brokerage told us to do. But I was determined and I was going to break the system and do, and I was going to go over and above and do what everybody else wasn't going to do. Um, so I thought. And in 18 months, between open houses, showing homes, even ones that people really weren't, 100% sold on, showed them anyways. I went through like 4,200 homes. Wow. Um, it got to the point that I got, I was so burnt out. I blamed the industry, not my actions, not what was going on. I blamed the industry. I hate this. I quit. I can't do this anymore. I'm sick of it. I dropped my license. So how I got back into it was uh, with about 90 days later, I was in the process of buying my own home and I'm no longer licensed. So I had a friend of mine show me the houses. 
I remember we'd go look at houses and I have to throw up just from seeing the sold sign or the for sale sign. Either one. I'd just see the real estate sign. I'd have to get out of the car and throw up. Like it was, it just revolted me. And it never occurred to me that it could be burnout. Um, and what ended up happening is I started feeling depression then too. So between the two of them, I knew something was off. Now I'm thankful for my home search. It's what ignited the fire in me. I got so lively and uh, so energetic that it was like I had to get right in there. And that's what got me back into the business and reignited me. But maybe I needed that 90-day break for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. We need that break from things. So if we think of our stress as being in a bucket and it can only handle so much that when you take some stressors out, so that 90 days that you weren't doing so much, working crazy hours, your body was able to get enough of a break to get that energy to come back in. Um, but what you just spoke of as well of the, the throwing up and the depression is that when you're stressed, so when you're pushing yourself, it doesn't matter if it's something exciting, like, like going and sell, showing these houses and being excited about the sale and going over the contracts with anybody. What you're doing every single time is you're pushing your stress system. And when you're doing that, your stress nerve kicks in. And when your stress nerve kicks in, it thinks you're in fight or flight and you don't need to stop and have a poop and you don't need to have a meal. So your gut slows down, your digestion slows down, your colon slows down. And the thing is, is that we start getting these gut issues and then 90% of our serotonin, serotonin is that happy, feel good hormone and anti-anxiety meds, antidepressants are... Um, synthetic serotonin, those 90% of that is released in your gut. Interesting. So when you're stressed, we end up getting where we're over firing because your nervous system is like a muscle. The more you work it, the stronger it gets. And so you're constantly working it that it starts overpowering your resting nerve. Your gut slows down, your colon slows down. You end up with these gut issues and your serotonin can't be released. Wow. So let me ask you, how did you learn all this? I mean, like, I know what made you realize it, but how did you actually learn all the information? Uh, it's been a long road. I, well, it was almost 20 years of me being in burnout of struggling and trying to figure out how do I get my brain clear again? How do I do this? Studying and studying and studying, going to doctors, going to specialists, and nobody was able to figure it out. I would go and I would get, um, I would go and I would get tests done and they'd come back and say, you're normal. Like everything's fine. You're normal. That it was only after my son was born and he had all these symptoms that I was like, oh, something's off. Like this can't just be okay if it's happening in a baby. Yeah. And so my mama bear came out and one day I was listening to a podcast that listed all my symptoms. And I was like, this is real. And it started saying adrenal fatigue, which we go burnout, adrenal fatigue. There's all different kinds of words used for it. And the thing is, though, is that we with with this is, is the medical system doesn't believe in that um, because you're not in a disease state yet. Our medical system is important, but they 
are trained for triage medicine, trained for disease, which we need them for, not the preventative side. So our markers aren't in that state where our body's really crashing and we're hospitalized yet, but we're still very, things are off. When I started figuring out that our medical system was where I had always been going to, I needed to go elsewhere. I needed to go into um, the holistic world. And that was a lot of trial and error. A lot of people saying they could help us and they couldn't. People with different pieces of the puzzle. Some would work on guts, some would work on hormones. And every time I dove in, because my background is like massage therapy and training, I used to train trainers. I mean, I had such an extensive knowledge in the, the nervous system and the body that just diving that step deeper into hormones and into gut and into how toxins affect us. If you've been exposed to mold, all of these different things can all affect your stress system. We also have like the social aspect that can affect it. So during COVID, a lot of people that were extroverts were really hit by that one. And we get all kinds of different stressors. So I started studying them all. I was like, I am not letting my son struggle the way I did. So I just studied, I studied every course. I got research papers on things. I was diving into it. It's, it's what I do all the time is research this. So there really isn't a course that teaches you all of these elements. There might be like one piece, one specialty. So I took them all. And the, the parts that I don't, like I have specialists that I work with that do the hormone tests or do the deep gut tests. Um, but it's continually learning, continually. Gotcha. Yeah, that that you have a good point there, right? Our healthcare system is very reactive, not proactive. And it's funny because we grow up being told that we should stop being reactive to things and start being proactive. But nothing that we are surrounded by, whether it's work, whether it's uh, healthcare, even investments, we're never proactive on it. We're always reactive, even though we grew up with a different message. So it's kind of uh, unique how this uh, works out that sometimes you, you end up having a personal thing happen to you that forces you to uh, change your outlook on it. Yeah, absolutely. And same for you. If we think as well about how you were in that real estate until you stopped and went, okay, how can I make this work for me as well? How can I stop being reactive and instead really thinking about how can I maximize this for the client, but be healthy for me? Absolutely. Like one thing that worked for me was developing systems and boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries are huge, huge. A lot of it's, it's so tough in so many things to set boundaries when we're so passionate about something. Yeah, it's true. So now, now let's get into the whole uh, feeling of burnout, right? Because there's a such thing as where you can feel fatigue and you can feel tired and not be burnt out. And a lot of times by the time we're actually know that we've burnt out, we've gone through that uh, point of no return as I'll call it. Yeah. So how can you tell when you've gone past normal fatigue and you're actually starting to, you know, burn out? Well, there's two different ways that we are able to look at data. One is um, subjective and one's objective. So if we are just subjectively going by how we're feeling, most of us feel we are doing better than we are. Most of us feel that, hey, you know what? I've been pushing it really hard and yeah, I can, you know, this is tough, but I can just keep pushing through it. So our subjective is not always the best reliable we're really, we, we often think we're doing better than we are. So the other thing that I would dive into if people are interested is using objective data, which is where I always wear like a, um, I wear a whoop band and an aura ring. And 
I have both because I test them out for my clients, but I can go in and look at the data. So what they track is your sleep, your blood pressure, your HRV. Now your HRV is a key indicator of how your stress system is doing. HRV is variability in between heartbeats. So your heart rate is how many times your heart beats, but the variability in between. So if you're stressed, your heart beats faster, which means that time in between the beats is going to be shorter. If you're, the time in between beats is longer, you're more relaxed. So while you're sleeping is when we test your HRV to know where your stress levels are. And if it's a higher number, then we know that you are recovering well. We know that you're doing well, that stressors aren't hitting you. But when we switch it to, if, if, if our HRV starts lowering, like it's good to lower, let's say that you do have a deal that closes. Right. Then that's a very, it's just a lot of stresses, exciting stress. It's great, but your HRV probably should show lower, usually the night before as well. The next day, it may be a bit lower, but the next day it should recover. Same thing from working out. If you do a really hard workout, your HRV should lower the next day because you did push and stretch your body. You taxed it, but the next day it should recover. But if you start getting two to three days needed to recover from workouts, from just a busy day at work, then you know that your body is struggling. So I would rely on that because I will look at people's data and they'll tell me another story if they're actually telling me how they think they feel. Right. Well, how do you measure HRV? So it's these two trackers, all of their R&D, their research and development actually goes into the sleep and the night trackers. You can get like a an Apple Watch, there's also something called heart math that you actually can put on your finger and it'll do it like in the moment. Um, but with the, uh, and then Garmin and Fitbit are starting to come out with them. But the thing is, is their R&D is more for daytime. The heart math as well is more for daytime. We really want to be looking at the nighttime HRV because when you're sleeping is when you should be relaxed. Um, but if you're breathing through your mouth, you're breathing in your stress nerve. If you're snoring, you're breathing in your stress nerve. If and, and like temperatures can throw things off, but there's less variables at night. You're not working. You should be in the same room. So comparing your HRVs every single night in the same bed, um, is really good for finding out what your baseline HRV is and what start to see when it's lowering, or if it's actually low right now, when you start doing it versus increasing. So having some sort of a device is what is needed in order to do it. It's best to get the devices that will track it at night with your sleep. Gotcha. So you're saying an Apple watch can do it. So if somebody keeps their watch on, it'll track your uh, sleep. Yeah. An Apple watch you need, I can give you the links. I'll write that down. Actually, there's two links for the Apple watch. I want to say one's heart watch or something i'll get them for you okay. one's like four dollars and 99 cents and i don't remember i think the other one might be free but you need both of those in order to be get all the stats that i work with like your your sleep the thing with the apple watch is that this is somebody else who created these apps apple did not go into their r d to do this but i would not suggest if you have an apple watch i would not suggest going in and purchasing an aura ring or a whoop band I would always use what you have, whatever data it's giving you, it may not be accurate, but it'll probably be consistent. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause if you're comparing yesterday to, to, to tomorrow, as an example, the, even if it's inaccurate, it's going to be the same kind of percentage from day to day. So 
you're going to know it's gone up or down. Right. And the thing with Apple too, is it mixes deep and REM sleep. Right, and right. I dive into that because deep is your body healing and REM is your brain and mind healing that I'm always interested in when they happen, they happen different times, but that's me getting technical with my clients. If you're looking at it and you just see that your deep has that what they call deep has increased. That's great. That means that whatever you're doing is working to help your sleep. And that's, what's important. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, um, see, I find it funny. Cause you mentioned the snoring thing. Like most people don't know they're snoring and, even when they are snoring, it's like, in a way, it's kind of common. Like, it's something you hear norm, like normally. It's not like something's like, oh, my God, you got a snorer? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And like, so yeah. that's something that leads to burnout. So as you're saying, that is actually one thing that you can know. If you're waking up with your mouth being dry or feeling like that gross feeling on your teeth when you wake up, that's usually because you're mouth breathing, which mouth right. breathing usually starts before snoring and then you get snoring and mouth breathing and then you can lead into sleep apnea. So knowing that even if you aren't snoring, if somebody's not elbowing you in the middle of the night or telling you to move to another bed, then you um, can know that, that even if your mouth is dry, if you're waking up in the middle of the night and your mouth feels horrible, the odds are, you are sleeping in your stress nerve. Gotcha. That is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I can relate to a lot of the stuff you're speaking. Like I can tell you moments in time where what you're describing is exactly what I went through. And this is the thing is that when we think of burnout, we think one big thing, like you think of those 18 months of doing the real estate and stopping. You think that that point that you stopped was like, that's when burnout hit. But if we start going back and I start asking you about certain stressors that happened and then I start relating things about like maybe like when did you start struggling to fall asleep or when did you start waking mid sleep or when did you start sleeping forever and not need like any regardless if it's any of those three you struggle to wake up in the morning and we start finding out when that actually started Maybe you started having bloating or gas and it was funny at the start, right? Like gas can be funny, but when it gets to the point where you're worried about being out with a client and because of your gas or because you need the bathroom, the odds are we could go back to when the bloating and the gas started or the indigestion feeling started. Wow. That's interesting too. Like, um, like even the bathroom part, right? Like, so you can become irregular based on burnout. Yeah, because it's all related. When you're living in a stress state, that nerve slows down your gut, your stomach acids slow down. So, and this is the thing that, that with our medical system that amazes me as well is as soon as you start complaining about indigestion or um, that upset heartburn feeling, they instantly say you have high acids. The thing is, is that high acids and low acids have the same symptoms. So if you're bending over and you feel something coming up or, or you feel that you weren't able to digest your food. So we get people where they're, they used to be able to eat this huge steak dinner and now they just gut rot after. Um, or even veggies, they come out the same way after. So that is usually low stomach acids. And working with first responders, 
We have not had one, not one since 2018 that we have tested for stomach acids where they've tested um, high. Every single one has tested low, every single one. Interesting. Like I'm relating to this because even now I have what I would call IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. Mm -hmm. And um, I discovered I had the problem when I was actually in my, uh, like from 18, from 18 years old and on, I started noticing odd stuff with, uh, in that area, but it was not really major until my late twenties. I remember it was in my, and, and this is kind of ironic here because of what we're talking about with first responders. It was about, 28, 29, I decided I had this great idea. I wanted to become a police officer, right? I thought better late than never, right? And I thought, you know, so it was one of those things I was considering. And what ended up happening is that's also when my IBS really became apparent. Um, like, I'll give you an example. Like one day, and I thought one day would have meant nothing, but this was going on for, for a while. I'll give you a typical day when I really noticed something was really bad. I would wake up go to the bathroom, I'd have, go to the kitchen, I'd put in two slices of toast, the toast would come up, couldn't even eat it, had to go to the bathroom, came out, ate the toast, went to the bathroom, went to the bank, had to use the bathroom at the bank, then I did my deposit, then I needed the bathroom again before I can go home. I counted that day, I went 106 times to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And that I thought, okay, I don't know, I must have eaten something. When I went like that and it was a week straight, I said, this can't be normal. You know what I mean? Like something's not right. Um, and it just kept going and going and going. Now, it was not that extreme after the week, but I was still using the bathroom a good 40 to 50 times a day. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I went to the doctors. Mm -hmm. um, it got to the point we were doing test after test after test. It got to the point that he sent me in, like most people, don't go for the uh, the scope in the mouth or the other side. You know, they don't go until they're 50s. I got that when I was 29. Me too. And they thought, I th at first I thought, okay, they're just trying to see what's going on in there, blah, 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 blah. No, they actually thought I had cancer. And I didn't realize that until I went to see the specialist. Good news. You don't have cancer. Didn't realize I was supposed to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like what? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not what I thought you were looking for. Um, no. And the thing is, if we look at that week for you, right? So you were applying for the police then? Like it was actually, you were in the application form for it? Yeah. I even got called in and everything. So would you say your stress levels were a little high that week? Yes. Yeah. I was exiting my business, right? Because I was in the first sales spot and I was miserable. Yeah. Um, when I say miserable, I mean miserable. Uh, like I would, uh, cursing up a storm. I, I was like very violent and not violent towards people, but, uh, towards object. Like I get my computer and smash it into a million pieces, Mostly? right? No. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 So, and I noticed when I had that kind of stress, so, uh, it's, uh, it's weird. Right. And not, like nothing's been done. I'm not taking anything, you know, for my problem. Cause I still have it, but it's nowhere near what it used to be. But also going to what you're saying is my stress levels are also nowhere where you used to be. Yeah, you're doing what you love now and you find a way to make it work for you. But the thing is, is, is the problem hasn't been fixed yet either. No. You've no, just learned no. to live with it. I've even tried their, uh, that's, uh, that align thing. And that align thing actually makes things worse for me. I don't know what align is. 
Oh, they say it's supposed to be for IBS. It's supposed to calm it down and whatever. And it, I, I, and sure, it helps to some point with more control, mm. but the uh, the actual uh, result is, put it this way, instead of having the problem of, of the washroom, I am now in pain if I take it. Yes. So, you know what I mean? It, it's It just masks the problem for lack Absolutely. of better description. So do you want a quick and dirty rundown of what stress does actually to the gut? Let's do it. Okay. So you, you, this nerve slows down your stomach acids. Your stomach acids are required to break down food. You also have your digestive enzymes that help to break down food. But the other job of these acids is to keep the good bacteria healthy in your gut and your small intestine. And so those, when your stomach acid decreases, you're not able to break down food as well. So you get these undigested proteins that are going through the stomach instead of being broken down in the stomach. And they get into the small intestine. And the thing is, is that your small intestine is one cell thick. So when those cells get inflamed because all of these proteins and other things that are supposed to be broken down are getting in there and irritating the lining, they get inflamed. And when they're inflamed, the cells separate a little bit and make these little gaps that, so now all these undigested proteins can go and, and the other undigested foods and minerals and stuff can all get all out into your bloodstream and your body. They can get into your brain. Now they say with that, that that can cause um, anger, aggression, um, ADHD, it can add to ADHD symptoms. <laughs> You're smiling. And yeah, and they say that there is some link as well to autism. This doesn't mean that fixing that fixes autism. It just exacerbates it. And gotcha. so you have this, these bacteria that are decreasing these good bacteria. Now you have other bacteria that are in your large intestine that they're okay in your large intestine, but they're not okay in your small intestine and your gut. And they start creeping in. And you also start getting these bad bacteria that start living in your gut. So you get all of this, this bad army, as I call it. You have this bad army living in. You also have these gaps in your small intestine. You're struggling to break down food. So you're not absorbing vitamins and nutrients. Your stress system is in charge of 50 different hormone responses. So healing, inflammation, cholesterol, all your reproductive, your brain, cognitive thinking, sleeping, blood sugar levels, metabolism, healing and repairing, all of these things you're, you're, you're in charge of. And a lot of those hormones are created by your stress system and released through the gut. So you're decreasing the release of those. And so your hormones aren't working the way that they are. This bacteria can't be, um, isn't, and, and the, the stomach acids aren't allowing you to break down food and digest it and get the nutrients to you. And then this bad army kicks in. And when this bad army kicks in, it starts taking over and wreaking havoc. You get a lot of diarrhea. You can get constipation. You can get constipation and diarrhea. Um, you get all these moods, these anger, aggression. You get the depression because the serotonin is decreasing too. And all of these things. And then a lot of times they'll say, oh, heal your gut, take all these probiotics. Well, probiotics are the good bacteria. But if your stomach acids are not there to keep the good bacteria healthy, you've got such a small army. So what you're doing is you're sending in an army where there's this huge army on the other side that wants to fight them. So these probiotics that you're taking that are good, 
and they're good for you. But in your gut, when you're, when you've been under stress for so long, this army gets overtaken by the bad bacteria army and wreaks havoc and sends you to the bathroom or gives you cramps or makes you constipated and all this stuff gets you bloated and gut pains. You're like, what the heck? They said probiotics are good for me. They are, but you first need to get the stomach acids back up. You need to get that nervous system slowing down. So it's not kicking, kicking your digestive system down again. It's not slowing it down so that you can get those acids up, heal that, that stomach lining, the small intestine lining, so that food can start digesting, things can go in and you create a healthy environment for this good bacteria. Then you start adding in good bacteria. That's fascinating because mm -hmm. that explains a lot of things, right? Like, like it's just, wow, right? Like even it explains a lot, like certain things, right? Like sometimes I have better days. Like if I, if I were to eat, crap today for lack of better description i'll have a good day tomorrow yeah. if i'll eat healthy i better be staying home because i'm gonna have a trouble going anywhere it, raw and, and it makes and protein? pardon raw veggies and protein yeah like 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 salads whatever like i'm not saying that if i have salads during the day the next day i'm screwed i don't mean that but i mean if i if it's one of those things you avoid you know like i'm not having any uh french fries i'm not having um i'm not having any um like red meats i'm gonna have strictly vegetables uh chicken only um it's gonna be a lot of carrots corn you know what i mean like i'm going super super healthy i won't touch anything bad right that next day is painful and i mean not physically painful but it's like it's like i for lack of a better description i become married to the toilet well it's um, harder to break down raw or veg the the raw is that worth the rawer the veggies are the harder it is to break them down you need the acids the meats you need the acids whereas faster food is already broken down and processed gotcha yeah and that and that's what i mean so sometimes i can go there where people say oh that's crappy and the next day I'm feeling high and great. And it's like, Ooh, <laughs> and that's not always the case, but it's a certain pattern that once in a while I notice, like if I have bad, bad, bad days. Right. And then all of a sudden I have a uh, change in my, you know, I cut out some of the uh, other stuff and I just have a bad eating day in terms of uh, crappy food. All of a sudden I start getting better and it's just weird. Right. Like yes. that explains a lot. It's not the only thing. And obviously my stress level is contributing to this. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing too is we can go one step further with fats as well, is that uh, the amount of gallbladders that are taken out in the first responders I work with and, and in the if nurses, tons of gallbladders taken out. Like in the States, a lot of them that I work with, they're, the first thing they do is take their gallbladders out, but a gallbladder is actually like a later end gut issue. So if you're not digesting things properly, then your gallbladder can't do what it does and your gallbladder starts acting up and they take your gallbladder out instead of actually fixing your gut. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's yeah. when you struggle to, to process any fats. So that's when any fatty foods has you running to the bathroom. It makes sense, right? Now, I've learned to control my diet to be more balanced so I have less bad days. Like, I'm nowhere near what I used to. I'm not saying I don't have any bad days, but I'm, but it's like, prime example, 
I used to, out of seven days, six out of seven days used to be bad. One day used to be manageable. Well, right now I can go three weeks with no problems and I might have one bad day that, after that three weeks. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of got the pattern going now. I've kind of adjusted and I'm not, again, I, the stress level contributes. If it's one of those days where I'm ready to smash up everything again, I know tomorrow is going to be a bad day, <laughs> right? But I mean, if I, but normal temperament, normal living, I've got myself in check now, but it took a lot of effort and, and I've got to focus on what I'm doing. It's not one of those things where it's just natural as and I just live life and like do whatever I got to pay attention as long as I'm paying attention and I do everything intentional. I have better days. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that when these hormones are off too, it's, it's hard to stay calm. I remember when, when it was happening to me, my husband would walk in a room and wonder who he was getting you know, the nice, calm, good me or like Medusa. And he didn't know if he could smile at me because sometimes a smile would be nice. And sometimes a smile would set me off. And that's not my personality at all. It would just be like that. And it happens more in home first. Like it's a struggle to stay calmer at home first. And then sometimes it extends more into work. But like with kids, staying short with your kids is hard when all of your stress system is taxed. So we don't always think, as you're saying, I guess these would be subjective things. Are you struggling to stay calm with your kids? Do you have to read paragraphs two, three, four times? Um, are you waking up without energy? Do you have gas, bloating? Are you all the way up to where you have IBS or Crohn's? Like all of these are signs that your body is stressed out and it would like some support. Gotcha. Now, I'm going to get down to about three last questions uh, in light of time. And one of them is going to be, what would you suggest someone who's listened to this and is fascinated by it? Maybe you've had some reactions on their own and they're curious. What would you tell them to do? Like, like in terms of to kind of figure out what's going on with their body, like where should they start? Oh, that's a actually a loaded question because where somebody is, is being affected the most is different for each one. That being said, um, the nervous system is usually where I would start because even if it is really bad hormones, even if it is really bad gut, unless your nervous system stops firing, like all of the time and kicking that stress system in, then then you're not going to be able to make headway. So even with gut, you could be with the best gut specialist in the world. But if you're always in a stressed state and always slowing down your digestion, they can only make so much progress. So when it comes to my first responders thought it was absolutely amazing when all I did was switch them from nose to mouth or from, no, from mouth to nose breathing. So as I said, at night, if you're snoring or sleeping, breathing through your mouth, you're in a stress state, same as in the day. So if we think of every time you breathe through your nose, you're touching part of the resting nerve. It's actually right by your left sinus and also going down your diaphragm where you're pulling in all that air is unmyelinated nerves of the resting nerve. An unmyelinated nerve is like a wire without that rubber coating where gotcha. you can touch the copper wire. So it's really quick to react, but it's always also quick to damage, which is why also gut issues get 
damn like occur so often as well. And so if you can inhale through your nose, you're going to hit on that sinus. You're also going to fill your belly slowly, pause, and then exhale slowly from your belly first out your nose. Anytime that you realize you're breathing through your mouth, not just when you're stressed, just anytime when you're driving, if you're sitting listening to the podcast now and you're relaxed, but you're breathing through your mouth, just switch to your nose. That alone is if we think of it like reps in a gym, right? Right. That is going to how many times you do that in a day is how many reps you're hitting your resting nerve. So it stops being overpowered by your stress nerve. So that's the first thing that I would start with. Fantastic. Second, last question. How do you know you've had a successful day? That's completely subjective to everybody because what one person's good day would be might not be a great one for somebody else. Um, successful as far as stress goes or successful as far as which goes? No, as much. How do you know you had a successful day? Like what would you consider successful? <sighs> Oh man. Successful day for me is I write down in the morning, the three things that I feel I can actually realistically get done in my day. If I have those done and my kids are still in one piece, I'd say that's a successful day. Beautifully said. And last but not least for anyone who wants to get more information or wants to connect with you, where do they find you? So I am just switching over from first responders to uh, the Burnout Expert podcast. So I have Burnout Expert podcast is available on all podcast channels. We are nine episodes into that. So that dives into a lot of what I've been talking about today as well. You may also be interested in my first responder podcast because they dive into a lot of the breathing and all kinds as well. So the first responder is 911shiftready.com. And my website is almost done. It is burnoutexpert.ca. So you can go to either of those if you want the first responder one or if you want the one for everybody. Fantastic. I want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. I found it very informative and I learned a lot about it. If you like what you see and you want more information or want to see more episodes, subscribe to the link below.